Welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepard and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes. And today, Fred continues house hunting, and Janie continues to prepare by filling her bottom drawer. After the drama last week, it's nice to see in this next letter of Janie's that her cousin Maria is doing a little better, no doubt in part due to the family rallying around her and trying to keep her spirits up. Hansworth, August the 11th, 1882. My own darling husband, I am so sorry I could not give you my promised letter for this morning. I had promised Polly Rowe to go down to tea for about three weeks. She said she should send for me when our Polly came, and she sent yesterday just to say she was coming. Would I go? And I had only just time to get ready, so could not get your letter done, love. I was so sorry to disappoint you, but I could not get off going without seriously offending her. You must try to forgive me once more, darling. I really could not help it. Maria came up with Polly. She keeps better. She says she's coming to stop a few days at our house, at the feast. Rather an uncomfortable time to come, but if it will keep her from brooding over her wrongs and then do her good, the doctor says she is to have change. I shall be very pleased to have her. The cheeky fellow had the impudence to come in the Wellington night before last. Willie Craven, I mean. Cousin Mary told him if he came in again, she should put him out. He is a scamp. Sissy and I went up to the blind institution on Wednesday night to see Ginny. I took the ring to change it, love, but Mr Lawton made it a size larger so that it fits very nicely now. I asked him what it weighed. It weighs two pennyweights and a half. I'm so afraid, darling, that our wedding day will be spoiled by our Emma. She has been tight these last three days, and I believe she will do it then, if it is only to vex me. I should be thankful to you, love, for taking me away. I really could not stand it if you were not. I do love you, my darling. I showed Ginny the ring. She thought it a very nice one. She intends being great at our wedding. It is the first she has figured in. I was to remember her very kindly to you. There is a meeting tonight about the association dinner. I think it will be next Thursday. I shall soon have done with all the big dinners. I shall be glad, darling. You know I have an aversion to waiting at them. But this is the nicest we have in the year, so I do not mind it so much. I wish I could be with you tonight, love. If only for a few minutes, I should like a kiss from my husband. I am looking forward to the happy time when I am with you forever. It shall be such a happy change for me, darling. I will write for Sunday, love. I cannot write more now. The meeting folks will be here in a few minutes. Only that I love you more than ever and remain always your loving, true and faithful wife, 
Janie. The next letter is also from Janie, as their back and forth has gone a little out of sync. She mentions her mother buying at the door again, and I get the impression that callers of this nature at the Cross Keys were pretty regular. Peddlers, hawkers and costermongers were not just a frequent sight, but a cornerstone in the economic life of a village like Hansworth. While it is true that railways enabled more produce and goods to come into cities, villages like Hansworth would be more reliant on the itinerant workforce that brought much wanted and probably not so wanted supplies up the hill. Janie mentions in earlier letters of a woman selling items that her mother trusts. This suggests that the way people protected themselves from perhaps the less scrupulous salesfolk that turned up at the doorstep was to note the regulars and establish a relationship. I imagine winning the trust of the landlady of a pub was pretty valuable, both for sales and reputation. The hierarchy of travelling sellers would have had the costermongers at the top, selling fresh fruit and vegetables, and the milkmen selling from their carts. The lowest of the ranks would be made up of the women and children, hawking bunches of watercress and twists of kindling. For these, sadly only a step away from destitution. Regulation of peddling and hawking came about with the Peddlers Act of 1871. Traders were required to apply to the local police station for a licence. You had to be above 17 years of age, a person of good character and in good faith, intending to carry on the trade of peddler. On payment of a fee, the peddler was allowed to trade in his own police area. This made matters difficult for the itinerant peddler, and in 1881, the amendment allowing people to operate anywhere in the UK came into effect. Interestingly enough, the Peddlers Act is still law in the UK, and anyone who wishes to trade in such a manner still has to go to the local police station for a licence. Anyway, back to Janie. The whatnot she mentions in her next letter is a small piece of furniture that was usually a fancy set of freestanding small shelves supported by slender pillars that were designed for displaying ornaments or china. They were often triangular shaped so as to sit neatly in the corner of a room. Janie appears to have begged one off her mother for her future home. Hansworth, August the 12th, 1882. My own darling husband. I received your nice letter this morning, for which I thank you, love. It will give me a little more time to prepare for our wedding, being nine weeks instead of eight, but it is a long time to wait before seeing you again. But I shall be with you always then, so I must not complain, darling. I have got a bargain today, I think. I got a dirty clothes basket, one of those deep work baskets, and a little basket to fetch eggs, butter or anything else in, all for eight and six. Mother bought them at the door. I bargained for the dirty clothes basket. It is very well made and should not have got it so cheap, but it was one the man had taken in exchange. The lid is a little bit damaged, but he says he's coming this way again Thursday week and will mend it for nothing. I can pack a lot of things in it. We shall want for nothing with what we have got, love, shall we? I have unscrewed the whatnot today. I think I shall send it with the dinner service. If I go to Sheffield next week, I will send them both then, as the week will be the Woodhouse Feast Week and a busy time at home, and I will want the whatnot out of the way at our feast. 
They decided last night not to have the association dinner next Thursday, but to have it on the 20th of September. We shall have to get straightened by then, if possible. We shall not have much papering or painting to do this year, so that we shall be able to get it done rather sooner than usual. I wish the feast was over, but it is not, so I shall have to make the best of it. I feel greatly comforted that it is my last. I try the ring on every morning, love. It fits beautifully now. Ginny, of course, threw up her hands when she saw it. She will have two or three days holiday at the time. If she can get three, she will have the day before and the two following days, as I shall want her to help me do lots of little things. But if she can only have two, she will have the day and the next. I shall ask Carrie to come the week before. Carrie and Ginny will have to send the cake out on the day after our wedding. Mother did not say anything about us being upstairs together last Monday, love. Our Polly is going to take the children to Cleethorpes on Wednesday next by the half-day excursion. Maria and Cousin Mary are going and want me to go. Maria says she won't go unless I go. I think I shall go, love as I don't want Maria to stop at home, because I think the change will do her good. She is to go out somewhere every day, if only just to see her friends. I think it is very shabby indeed of Fred not giving you a reply to your letter, even if he had refused the offer of being your best man. I think we had better give him until next Thursday, though. He hardly deserves it. If he does not write before then, I would write to John Mies at once. There will just be eight weeks' notice for him. I do wish, darling, we had asked him first. I should think Fred must be in very great spoons on Miss Barton if he can't find time for a few lines. Our Emma did not get home until Tuesday night. Any of the three streets you mentioned, love, will do. But if you cannot get a house in one of those streets, I shall not be very disappointed, love, if you get one anywhere else that suits you. I shall like those streets because they are quiet. I'm glad Mrs. Gordon has let her back rooms. That will be a help to her. I shall be sorry, love, with all due regard to her income, as you say, if she does let the front ones. I do not feel afraid about settling. I could settle anywhere with you, darling, but it will be more comfortable for you. You would have somewhere to sit down to get your meals, and if we went straight to our house, everything would be upset. Besides, love, it will give me more time to devote to straightening the house, as Mrs. Gordon would do all the cooking, etc., and I would be down there all the day and get it done in a shorter time than if I had everything to see to. We have had lovely weather here this week. I wish we could have gone to Saltburn, darling, on that beautiful day. It would have been enjoyable, darling. Like all the days we have been together... You'll be able to take your wife next time you go. Don't you feel your hair going grey to think of it, love? I have not felt the separation so much this time, darling. The time is drawing near. It won't be long before I am your happy wife and you are my loved and loving husband. And then there will be no more separations. I have not seen the paper you sent before on matrimonial superstitions. I'm not superstitious at all, love. I do not believe anything like that can affect anyone's happiness. Ginny told me I was to be sure and not let the ring fall as it is unlucky. I wish you could have given your goodnight kiss, darling. There is no life in them on paper. I have not had a letter from Betsy Frith yet. If she does not answer it then very soon, I shall not trouble about her any more. 
I wish I could bring you some claret and ginger beer, love. It would refresh you. I have not had any this summer yet. I hope you will enjoy your excursion to Yarm, my darling. It would be so nice and good if you will take me some day when I'm your wife. I wish you were coming tonight, love, just to take me on one of our old walks. It does seem a long time since you went away last Tuesday. We shall be married people when we go for walks next time. I have not time for more, love, only that I love you more than my husband. I remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, August the 13th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your very welcome letter yesterday. I thought you must have been busy, love, or you would have written. Of course I will forgive you, my darling. How could I help it? I think it was very impudent of Willie Graven to go to the Wellington after what he had done. I think Ginny's mother did quite right in telling him to go out. He wanted kicking out. I am pleased that you got the ring altered to suit, love, and glad that you had not to get another one, as I think I should not have liked another one so well as the one we bought together, because it seems nicer that we should both be there, love, for anything like that. Don't you think so, love? I hope your fears will not be realised, love, about your Emma spoiling our wedding day. If she does, I shall be tempted to say something myself for I shall belong to the family then, you know. I am determined that we will not have anything to do with her when you get nicely here, because I think you have had sufficient trouble and bother with her at home without transplanting it here. I think you will agree with me, darling, in this. I know you will be thankful to me, love, for taking you away from such an uncongenial home, and I hope you will rightly value our home, my darling wife. I thought Ginny would go into a fit over the ring, love. You must remember me very kindly to her, love. I wish you could have had a kiss for me, love, for Saturday night. I wish the same. Continued August the 14th. I received your letter this morning, for which I thank you, my darling, very much. It is a long time to wait before seeing you again, love. Even now it seems an age since I saw you and kissed you. But we must try to manage, love as I don't think we could afford me coming over again before October, though I should like to very much. I see you are still in the purchasing mood, love. We shall not, as you say, want for anything. I don't think, though, that you have got the good bargain you anticipate, love, as we could get the linen basket quite new and good at six and nine each at Pinch Brothers. But it is still cheap seeing that your mother paid for it. It will be very useful too to pack things in. I shall be very pleased to receive the dinner service and the whatnot as soon as you like to send them, love. You must let me know and then I can look after them. Though if you address them to Albert Terrace, they will not be any more than sending them to Middlesbrough Station and they will deliver them. I am pleased that the association dinner is postponed, love, as I should think it would not be so inconvenient for you then and will leave you more at liberty now. It will be the last feast and dinner that you will have to deal with there, love, so you must try and make the best of it a little longer. I am pleased that the ring fits so well, love. I expected you would have to try it on a few times. It must be a great comfort to you when you feel downhearted to cheer your drooping spirits with the feel of it on your finger. 
and to think that it will not be long before it is there for good when you are my loving little wife. I hope Ginny will be able to get holiday at our wedding, love, for she will be very useful to you, and Carrie too, of course, must have something to do with it. I should like to have seen her when I was over. I was wondering how you would deal with the cake sending out, love, because it would be very inconvenient for you to do it yourself. I am glad your mother did not ask any inconvenient questions as to our being upstairs, love, on the Monday afternoon. The usual monthly should come off this week, shouldn't it, love? You will, of course, let me know whether it does or does not. You must go to Cleethorpes on Wednesday, love, by all means, if it will be beneficial to Maria. It will also be an outing for you, and I want you to get your running about done now, as you will have to settle down to dreary married life, love, with me. I will wait until Thursday, love, to see if Fred writes, and then we'll write to John Mies as you suggest. I wish with you that I had written to him first, as he, I expect, would have been delighted. I still think it would be best and much more convenient to go with lodgings, at least for the first week, love, for it would, as you say, give you more time to square up, and if we went to our house first, it would be really hard work for you looking after me and the house as well. As it is, you'll find it hard at first, I expect, love. I don't feel my hair growing grey at all, love, at the thought of taking you next time I come. I only wish you were here now. I would risk the grey hairs. I am glad you are not superstitious, love. I did not think you were, or I should not have sent you the paper. I thought Ginny would have something to say about it. We did not go to Yarm after all yesterday, for this reason. Our new man, who seems to be rather delicate, was looking so ill that I told him he had better go home and go to bed at once, and then I had a set to and commenced writing the letters at twelve o'clock on Saturday morning. and I had six letters to write after Mr Cooper left at one thirty, which made it three o'clock before I left, and then it was too late then as the train to Stockton went at one thirty. so I went up to the cricket field instead. I should have written early today, but I went to Phillips at two to go with him to their anniversary sermons at the Wesleyan Chapel. I had tea with him, and then went again at night. He seems very desirous of being friendly, and is a very decent fellow, and may be useful to me. Of course, I was careful to explain to him that, though I might be friendly with him, it would make no difference in his favour with regard to business, with which condition he seemed satisfied. His wife is very nice, and I want to have some nice people for you to visit, for you know, love, after all, you cannot get on very well without friends, and I want ours to be of the best. Mr. and Mrs. Marston and family are staying at Redcar for a week or two. I intend that you shall have a week or two there next summer, love, if we can afford it. I could come to Middlesbrough in the morning and go down at night, you know, love, even if I could not get clear holiday. I went on Friday night to look at some houses that are being built at Linthorpe. I don't think they will be ready by the time we are married, or I should be tempted to take one. It is so healthy out there, and they look straight across to the hills. When the works get fairly going, I expect we shall have dinner at the works, and by that time I shall expect I shall have one or two bairns, so that you'll not be so lonely, and we may then manage to live out there. I would put up with the extra distance, love, if it were beneficial to my darling wife. You will forgive me for not writing today, love, won't you? I think I shall have to retire to my virtuous couch, as it is now after twelve and late hours are not conducive to good looks. 
I should like a line or two for Wednesday, love, if you can squeeze a few in for me, and I think you will contrive to do so. I think you have made a slight mistake. I am getting a bit fresh again, so had better shut up. In the close of your last letter, love, and it is this. You say, I have not time for more, love, only that I love you more than my husband. Who is your husband, love? And don't you think it is wrong to love me more than him? I suppose you mean that you love me more than ever, love, isn't that it? I love you, my darling wife, more than ever, and will always remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. Mrs. Shepherd. how do you like the idea of signing your name thus? Not very euphonious, love, is it? I suppose it will be Mrs. Fred Shepherd. I have to admit to feeling a bit concerned when Fred writes, I want you to get your running about done now, as you will have to settle down to dreary married life love with me. Is this normal? I have to admit that the words made me feel uncomfortable. I'm not sure what to make of it. Does he expect that Janie will not be going on excursions without him after they're married? Or is he expecting her to stay at home nearly all the time? Anyway, next time we have a bit of a change when we get Janie's fabulous account of a family day at the seaside at Cleethorpes. I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. I'd very much like to share Fred and Janie's story with more people. Can I ask you to leave a review on your podcast app if that sort of thing is enabled. It really helps more people find Fred and Janie's story. You can also find excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at my love letter time machine, all one word. And you can write to me at my love letter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.